Hello and welcome to the Parent Perspective podcast brought to you by amazing apprenticeships and not going to uni. I'm Rachel Burden and this is the podcast that gives you, the parents, everything you need to know to help your kids make the right choices after leaving school. From apprenticeships to T-levels, traineeships, work experience and how to fund your choice, we've got you covered. Plus we'll talk about how to support your child through what is a really challenging time and give you the tools to cope with your little one flying the nest. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts from and join the conversation on social media too. So coming up in this first episode, the choice. What are my child's options post-16 and where do we find all the information we need to make the right choice? Well, with me to answer those are Anna Morrison, the founder and CEO of Amazing Apprenticeships, and Connor Cotton, the Managing Director of Not Going to Uni. Hello to both of you. Do you know what? I think it might be quite good to get a bit of an introduction to you both, first of all, so everyone knows where you're coming from on this. So, Anna, how did you get involved in Amazing Apprenticeships? Thank you. Um, yeah, so I founded Amazing Apprenticeships nearly 10 years ago, um, really based on a lot of experience that I was having when I was going out and about to schools, working with students and young people, working with teachers and parents and carers. And there was just a huge misunderstanding and lack of information about apprenticeships. So uh, set up Amazing Apprenticeships really with that mission in mind that I wanted to improve the availability of good information and good resources about apprenticeships to be able to inspire teachers often who don't who weren't necessarily hugely confident in talking about apprenticeships with the students that they were supporting but also to take that a step further as well and bring parents and carers and anyone else who's really a key influencer in that young person's life into the conversation and it's grown and grown. So not only do we work in nearly 5,000 schools and colleges across the country, we also work across the entire skills sector. So we work with employers, big employers, small employers, any sizes really. We work with training providers and all types of training providers. And I also spend a lot of time with policymakers at the Department for Education and others, uh, kind of ministers and MPs and people who might be involved in apprenticeships and technical education. And Anna, did you go through an apprenticeship scheme yourself? I didn't. Mine was similar, though. I think had apprenticeships existed then, like they do now, I definitely would have done an apprenticeship. Um, but no, I left school. I, I didn't. I did my A levels kind of reluctantly, but I didn't want to go to university. I just didn't want to carry on in the classroom environment. I wanted my independence. I wanted to get out and work. So, um, actually, my first thing I did really was travel to New Zealand. So, um, I kind of saved up, jumped on a plane, went over to New Zealand and worked as a waitress and kind of explored the island. But when I came back, my first job was in an FE college. So I started off as a receptionist in an FE college. And really, that was where the world of skills was opened up to me and uh, really developing this understanding and passion for how it all works. So I went from receptionist, spent a, a number of years working in an FE college, then moved to a position funded by what was then the Learning and Skills Council, a kind of government department, um, and then set up my first business in 2010 at the age of 30. So um, so that I've never looked back really after that. Um, But yeah, I suppose when I was at the college, it wasn't an apprenticeship, but I got to try out loads of different departments, which which set me up brilliantly for what I'm doing now, because I got to spend a bit of time in marketing, a bit of time managing an apprenticeship contract, you know, all of those really good foundations. 
Well, that definitely counts as not going to uni. And what about you, Connor? Did you also not go to uni? Yeah, so so my journey was was quite similar in the sense of not going to uni. So I'm living, breathing proof and a walking case study for my company, to say the least. Um, so I, I chose not to go to university. I actually received all of my university offers, uh, one of which was unconditional and much to definitely a lot of my family's disgust. I said, no, I'm not going and rejected all of my offers, um, which at the time everyone thought was just a completely crazy concept. Um, actually got my first ever job at not going to uni as a junior media sales exec, um, going in right at the bottom. I worked my way up to the head of sales, left to go to a startup because everyone said to me, you know, you're interested in business and so on and so forth. Go and work in a startup. It's basically like doing a business MBA. And I was like, okay, I'll take you up on that. Uh, went and did that. And then um, to cut a long story short, about a year and a half ago, got a call from the uh, departing MD at Not Going to Uni to say, are you ready to come back and take over Not Going to Uni? And, and obviously at which point I was like, of course. Um, and that's where we are today. Um, in terms of not going to uni, um, we are everything from a job board through to a creative agency. We're very much now a recruitment marketing agency focused on school leaver and um, youth marketing, really. So everything from content creation of video, podcast, assets, everything that you can imagine, through to working not using social media, using our job board and everything else to try and engage this audience um, and get opportunities from our clients ranging from you know the RAF Barclays Bank right through to a local plumbing firm out to young people in the most engaging format considering how competitive the market is right now. That's interesting actually the competitive market maybe that's something we'll pick up on a bit later but you've both got this great breadth of experience that you're bringing to this podcast series and I think it's interesting because it does feel like this is a moment where perhaps Children preparing to leave school at 16, whatever they then go on to do, have had a really disruptive couple of years. So, Anna, does that make the whole choice um, of what to do next more difficult? Yeah, it's a really good point. I feel like like there's two sides to this conversation. So on one side, we have got more options at post-16 and post-18 than we've ever had before, which should be really exciting, shouldn't it? Because we've, you know, no matter what your learning style is or which environment you want to be in, there should be an option for you. But I feel that with that brings enormous pressure for young people and their families for them to feel like they've got to find the right choice for them you know lots of people will talk about the right choice and of course as you know once you kind of mature and come through there is no right choice it's what's right for you at that moment in time and um and really no one option is better than the other so we've we've still got to try and tackle this idea of kind of how do we help parents and families and young people to navigate all of those options and to set themselves up so that they can explore all of those choices equally and then make the right choice for them at the time that is right for them. So without kind of pigeonholing themselves. And and I feel sometimes um, apprenticeships are pitched against university. You know, well, are you going to apply to university or are you going to do an apprenticeship? Well, actually, why don't you apply for both? You know, that's, that's a kind of a really... Um, exciting area that you could take yourself into where you apply for university, you apply for apprenticeships, you perhaps apply for a gap year and apply for some other things. And then at the moment or in that moment when you're ready to make the decision about what's going to be right for you, 
that you've got all of these options in front of you. But my fear is that people may turn their back on certain options without exploring them fully and then regret it later down the line. And if you've got all of your eggs in one basket, all of your options just pinned on maybe one particular thing, whether that's going to university or working for a certain employer, that that's where the real disappointment can come in. And, you know, and if, because if that child, if that option doesn't play out for you, then, and you've turned your back on all of the other options, then what do you do? So for me, it's never about saying that one is better than the other, but it's about trying to help people to surround themselves with as much information and as many options as possible so that they're in the best place when it comes to making that choice. The pressure comes with thinking that this is a rest of your life choice, but it isn't, as you say, it's just the choice you're making for that time. And Connor, for a lot of 15, 16 year olds, they might be completely clueless really about where they want to go next, what they want to do for a job. What what are the sorts of questions you or parents should start helping them ask themselves to guide them towards those decisions? Well, I think one of the big things we push to young people is actually looking at what's what they what their interests are outside of the education environment because Often what a lot of of schools and colleges and probably parents are guilty of is focusing your future based on your academic subjects and saying, well, you're interested in this subject, so that's what you're going to go on to. But actually, you know, we're going to get to a point where we're going to look at engineers and architects who grew up playing Minecraft because it's a it's a building it's a building game. That's the nature of where where the world's getting to now. Um, so, so one of the biggest things we always push to young people is actually what, what, what are you interested in outside of your, of your education? What are the things you do in your spare time? What are those things that really give you that buzz? What are those things that motivate you to, to get out of bed? Look, school isn't the thing that motivates a lot of kids. Even kids that are very academic, it doesn't motivate them necessarily. So it's really about finding what's, what's around that, what's in their ecosystem, what motivates them, and then using that to lead on what pathways are available to them. Um, that's a very broad statement, yes, but you know, when when you actually get under the skin of it, like I said, the Minecraft example is a really key one when you think about it, um, of how a young person could take that pathway. I think that's really interesting, Connor, because um, because we've got a school system that's built on subjects, don't we? And kind of subjects, and we know often those subject teachers will be responsible for sharing information about the careers that could link to those subjects as well. I'd just like to add, I think, around the importance of work experience and um, kind of work placement opportunities, because I completely agree with Connor. There is so much more that um, individuals will be doing in their personal lives, whether it's clubs or sports activities or music or um, even just kind of having a you know, kick about with mates down at the park, you know, you'll know the kind of things that interest and excite you. If you can then try and apply that to a workplace setting, if you can find opportunities to be able to go behind the scenes of a business and meet some of the people involved in that industry, that can be really key to kind of unlocking the next level of motivation, if you like. So, you kind of you've got an inkling of what you might want to do but when you can go and try that in person then that's when for many young people they'll kind of really get it and kind of go oh that is what I'd like to do or equally important say 
I thought that was what I wanted to do, but actually having been in that environment or been in that business or met someone who does that role, I'm not sure that is right for me anymore. And they get to rethink it. I certainly had that. I used to think I might want to work in like with children in a primary school in a nursery setting. I did a week of work experience probably when I was about 14, 15 in a primary school. And I knew I definitely did not want to be a primary school teacher. That wouldn't have been for me. But I needed that um, experience, I guess, to be able to then rule it out and look at other things. I think you'd have been amazing, Anna. But, you know, (laughs) that was probably the right choice for you. Um, So that's really helpful, actually, and really interesting. And when you start to ask those questions as the sort of 16-year-old or as the parent with the 16-year-old or carer, and you begin to then work out areas of interest and things that you might lean towards, what's the next step? How do you find out? Because there are so many different um, apprenticeships, traineeships, this and that the other scheme and I imagine if you just throw apprenticeship into a Google or a search engine there'll be thousands of results so where do you start to begin to sift through that and look and get valuable advice on all of that? Obviously Anna's spoken about some of the work that amazing apprenticeships do in schools and colleges which I'm sure she'll talk about shortly outside of that that's the key reason why not going to uni as a platform exists um the main reason is and 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 again with amazing apprenticeships as as anna said in her intro we exist as businesses to give young people all the tools all the information all the advice everything they need to make the best informed choice um you know looking at not going to uni we have a team of ambassadors for example where they're utilizing the not going to uni social channels to share their stories and share their advice and share their journeys um what i always recommend to young people is is actually looking at people who are like them which is why our ambassador scheme is so important because what they can do is have a look at other people of a similar ish age yes they'll be slightly older because they're already on the apprenticeships but they're from areas local to them they're, like I said, they're of a similar age, they have similar interests, similar skill sets, and so on. And and looking at people like that, who are like role models, who are like influencers, they get all the information, but they also have that, that like, that's like me factor. Um, look, we also have the job board of not going to uni as, as the website where they can go and look at information. But when you look at this demographic now, they're going to much prefer engaging and getting information off a young ambassador who's just like them on social media. In a, in a really digestible format, whether that be a day in the life video on TikTok or whether that be a live Q&A on Instagram, that's how they want to absorb that information. Um, so that, that's, that's the really big, big bit for us, to be honest with you. And that's my advice if they want to go and go and engage and get that information as well. Connor mentioned there rightly schools and colleges and Perhaps when I was at school um, and other parents listening might think back to the kind of careers advice they received at school and think, well, that was, you know, it was all perhaps a bit mediocre or it was it was a bit basic. We perhaps just got steered towards certain things based on subjects that we like or um, or what that careers advisor knew about or, you know, kind of whatever system you went through. Careers advice has had a massive overhaul in schools and colleges over the past few years. Um, with the introduction of the careers and enterprise company and so every school or college now has what's called a careers leader and that careers leader is responsible for driving forward a um, package of activity to support students and their families to be able to explore careers. Now 
I think what we've seen happening in schools has been really innovative. And in many schools where the resources support this work, you know, we're seeing many more opportunities for both students and their families to be able to meet with some of those role models that Connor was describing, you know, people from the local community, whether that's apprentices or graduates or employers, to be able to hear about the opportunities that they've got. So one of the starting points for me has got to be, look at your school website. They should have a whole program of careers activities set out. And if you can't find it, get in touch with the school because it's something that should be there legally, actually. So this government have been really trying to develop what's going on in schools and colleges with careers. And so they've made it a mandatory requirement that schools have to have this information on their website. So these are some of the things where, you know, before you kind of go, ah, oh, school probably won't be able to help me, actually use them as a first point of contact because they will have a lot of those local activities going on. There's loads you can do in terms of independent research. We've got the internet at our fingertips, literally, haven't we? And so Connor's quite right, not going to uni, amazing apprenticeships. There's lots of other really credible websites out there. And we're all trying to do the same thing to try and make it easier for you to find information, to make those informed choices and then um, hopefully be able to find jobs or apply for courses, you know, whatever's right for you. I also think we can't underestimate speaking to people and hearing other stories. I love it. I love being told a story. I love to hear from young people, particularly who have navigated some of these options quite recently and to hear the thought processes that they've gone through, um, to hear the kind of reactions that they received from their peers, from their parents and carers, from other family members, and to really just hear how things are changing and how apprenticeships now, for example, are way more acceptable than they would have been years ago and, and kind of what's led us to that, but also how everyone's making their choices. So, so I think there's some structured uh, things that parents and carers can do through schools, through colleges, and then there's just kind of making the most of all of those other local opportunities that may be happening in your community with local training providers, with local employers, and making that effort to get out and speak to people and uh, gathering all of that information. Let's talk about changing attitudes towards apprenticeships there, because you also mentioned the government getting on board, you mentioned schools changing the way that they now give careers advice. Is that something very palpable, Connor, this changing attitude amongst, well, I don't know whether it's just schools and employers, but also parents as well, that um, an apprenticeship or a trainee scheme is not a kind of lesser option. Yeah, I think, I mean, I have two answers to this. The first answer is I give an example of an event we did. Um, so we went to What Career Live, which for all those that aren't in the industry who won't know it, it's um, probably one of the biggest sort of um, alternative to university events out there um, that's in person. It's in a, a big exhibition. So the one we went to was at, at the NEC in Birmingham. And uh, we had a, this is this is the best example, we had a, a young person and their mum walking past the stand. The mum looked up at the not going to uni stand and she turned around and went, oh, no, we definitely can't go to that stand. And at that point, I thought, yeah, there's still quite a big issue with parents here because that was one of probably quite a few. Um, there is a change. Like there's more awareness than ever to the alternatives to university. I've done, I think about in the last three months, five or six TV appearances, things like that, talking about apprenticeships. There's definitely more awareness. There's definitely more information going out there. There's definitely more coverage. 
for alternative routes, but it doesn't mean the perception has changed because there's still a lack of knowledge amongst people around actually what an apprenticeship is. You know, a lot of parents are very weighted towards degree apprenticeships because they think anything other than a degree apprenticeship is pointless, which isn't true. Um, they think that, you know, an apprenticeship is a cop-out route, basically. Oh, you've not got the grades, so you're, you're going down that route. That's the misinformation bit. Um, yes, we're getting more publicity to, to the alternatives to university and alternative pathways at 16 plus two, because obviously, again, there's also a theme with parents where they think that sixth form is the only credible route in some especially in some areas of the uk um so yes we're getting the information out there more but we still need to improve the knowledge set of of parents and, and influencers around a young person so that they can actually understand what when their son or daughter comes home and says this is the route i'm going on they can advise and understand in a better light yeah and more informed how much has the rising cost of going to university shifted the discussion do you think I think it's having a huge impact I think not only the cost of going to university but the experience of university as well and there was a lot definitely throughout the pandemic where we saw it didn't we in the press where students perhaps felt like they weren't getting value for money because of the experience that they'd been promised versus the experience that perhaps they were receiving. And obviously the pandemic had a massive impact there, but I think that also created a, a an opportunity for apprenticeships to raise their profile in what you can do through an apprenticeship. And, and again, sometimes there's a, a bit of concern that as an apprentice, you miss out on some of those opportunities that university, full-time university, will afford you um, mixing with lots of different individuals from around the country. The social side often comes up as well. And um, and I always say, well, show me an apprentice who hasn't managed to maintain a social life um, whilst they mm. have been an apprentice. It might be slightly different, you know, it might not be kind of student nights and discounted bars and um, you know, kind of sleeping in all day and, and missing lectures. As an apprentice, you have to be at work, you've got responsibilities, your employer will expect you to be there, but you will be getting paid a salary. So the type of socialising that you can undertake will probably feel quite different to university because we meet loads of apprentices who are saving up to go on holiday, who are buying their own cars, who will go out for nice meals with uh, their friends. They'll go out on shopping trips at the weekend because actually they're earning money and can afford to do some of that stuff. So it's a slightly different type of socialising. But honestly, I've got two apprentices in my team at the moment and without doubt they have really good social lives but they also are here on a Monday morning ready to you know get on with the week in hand and work really hard. And what about the whole experience Connor of moving away from home and how important that is for personal development? Yeah that's very hard to replace 100% however uh, similar to Anna we have like a number of our apprentice ambassadors who due to the opportunity that's been created by working, they've, they've now relocated. So we have two apprentices, for example, who worked for a major firm in Bristol, a major law firm. They have a London office. So they once they'd done a year in Bristol, they said, right, can I uh, move offices? And, and they're now uh, flat sharing in, in London. So there are ways of doing it. Um, and like Anna said, because you've got the freedom in terms of m money, which a lot of students struggle with, as we know, um, you are able to travel more. So you will still get around the country. You you won't be there for a whole year, 
but but you're still going to hopefully as long as you look after your pennies uh actually be able to go and, and travel and see new places what i did when when all my friends were at university and i wasn't i went and visited my friends so you know on a friday evening i'd finish work and me and a couple of mates who there was two of us who didn't go to uni jump in the car and we got on a road trip to nottingham and spend a weekend with them in nottingham or or reading or leeds or wherever that like that was um so it, you, you cut the cloth to suit your back, don't you? If you're in that circumstance, there's other ways of getting that that travel experience and getting out there experience. And however much as you've described, we might want um, our 16-year-olds to come at this from a kind of positive choice perspective. It's still probably true to say that for some kids, they'll be looking at disappointing results maybe from GCSEs and so on and having to deal with the kind of disappointment of this isn't where I thought I was going to be how do I kind of get myself geared up for looking at an Mm. alternative route through my later training education whatever it might be so have you got any advice on sort of dealing with that disappointment particularly if you had quite a fixed idea of what life was going to look like and it was all going to change now Anna yeah I think sometimes that disappointment does come from having a fixed idea doesn't it and kind of just pinning your hopes perhaps on one thing and really wanting that to be the thing that comes out I think one of the best ways of preparing for that is to have options. So you have a plan A, but you also have a plan B, C, D, and however many options you want so that, okay, so if plan A doesn't come off, it's okay because I've still got plan B and that is still a positive choice. Um, I also think we, we need to be preparing young people in that way to be able to have different choices and for that to be acceptable as well. I can remember conversations around also which university have you are you going to apply for? You know, and it was like a one a one time thing, you know, and people then might make a judgment on that. What we need to kind of try and shift the conversation to so so what are the options that you're looking at then oh brilliant that sounds really exciting and helping young people and their families to feel really confident in having that kind of approach like we all get it there's a lot of um parental peer pressure isn't there around what uh, what your children may be doing or not whatever stage of their development and and we've got to try and um build people up I think and and help individuals to feel really okay and happy with exploring all of those options and um, perhaps taking a choice and then perhaps changing their mind and again we need to move away from some of this language of dropping out but actually perhaps you're not dropping out you're just changing your mind and picking another route that might be better suited to you. Do you know what, thinking about it, this is a good podcast to listen to if you've got a 14 year old child, because actually, those are the kinds of conversations you can start quite early on, Connor, would you agree? Oh, 100%. The the young people make decisions on brands and on the, you know, the people that they're influenced by much younger than, than ever before, probably, um, especially considering we're in an age of cancel culture online and things like this. You know, people make very snapshot decisions now based on what they see, what they hear, what they engage with. So as a business, given we're a recruitment marketing agency, we work with brands to get content out there to educate young people, to educate young people at a younger age than previously to understand more about their brand, understand what it means to work there and, and so on, because 
they are making decisions quicker. You know, if you ask a lot of young people at, at primary school age, what, what are their, you know, what, what career do they want to go on? So a lot of them will say teachers because the teacher is the person they idolize. They see them every day. Or a lot of them will say what their mum and dad do. So, so then they'll carry that in secondary school. And then, and, and then all of a sudden they're opened up to this, this bigger world because they experience more, they see more. So that's the opportunity where employers now have this ability to go and engage that audience and parents as well need to start those conversations because young people may it may help them to pick a certain GCSE option or help them to pick a certain A level option or pick up a certain extracurricular activity or go to army cadets outside of work whatever that may be so if parents can be really encouraging young people and having those conversations proactively and, and doing the research alongside that and everything else, then young people will be better informed than they ever have been. And actually, that's a really interesting point to pick up on, because I was going to ask about how you prepare yourself to give yourself the best opportunities in what is presumably also quite a, an increasingly competitive marketplace around apprenticeships and traineeships. And Anna, so often you hear... Um, those conversations of, oh, that'll look good on your university application. But presumably, all that extracurricular stuff college just mentioned, that, that applies for anyone thinking about applying for apprenticeships too. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, there's a few points I'd love to pick up on. So, so first of all, we find many more employers who are really looking to diversify who they're bringing into their apprenticeship programs. And therefore, they're looking at way more than just academic attainment. They really know, actually, and very they're really picking up on the fact that it's quite outdated just to look at GCSE or A-level results. What they're really looking at is all of those extra things, the personality, the attitude, the willingness to learn, all of those things that you can't put a grade on, you know, and, and it's that enthusiasm and many employers are employing for attitude and then training for skills. They're kind of saying, look, if you can come to me and you've got the right attitude, I'm really interested in having you in my workforce and I can teach you the rest. As long as you want to learn, then we will teach you. So I think that's one really interesting shift that we're seeing around recruitment patterns. The other thing is to just pick up on brands, as Connor was mentioning. So very often um, it's the big brands, it's the household names. There's a bit of a perception that the best apprenticeships must be with the biggest, best known names. And of course, many of them have really fantastic programs and award winning programs. And we all would feel very confident and probably proud, wouldn't we? Let's face it. If you're saying, right, I've got an apprenticeship with that particular company, but right on your doorstep, in your town, um, in your city, there will be so many other employers that you'll have never even heard of before who will be offering the most incredible apprenticeship opportunities. And we've got a real disconnect at the moment because we've got young people kind of saying, I don't think there are any good quality jobs available in my local area. And we're going, no, there's thousands. There's literally thousands right on your doorstep. But we need to try and do a bit more to help those employers who sometimes are part of the supply chain to those big name companies to really kind of elevate their profile and show off their opportunities to individuals and their families so that you don't, we kind of move away from this concept of having to travel into a big city or work for a big brand to find the best apprenticeship. Actually, sometimes they're right under your nose. You just need to know where to find them. This is all very exciting. And, and genuinely, I feel like our conversation today has opened up 
so many questions in a good way about the different choices and opportunities that are available to our young people. And from what I've heard as well, a lot of this is about breaking down parental prejudices. Um, So that'll be something that I'm really looking forward to exploring with both of you over the course of this series. Um, Anna and Connor, thank you so much. It's been a great start. Hopefully it's given everyone who's listened just a really solid grounding in the kinds of options, opportunities, choices that are out there, how you go about looking for them and navigating your way through all of that. And of course, over the course of the next uh, few episodes, we're going to look deeper into some of the more detailed areas that we've only touched on today. And we're keen to feature as many parents as we possibly can in this series. So if you want to get involved or if you have any questions you'd like us to answer, then you can email us or find Amazing Apprenticeships on social media at Amazing Apps UK or Not Going to Uni at Not Going to Uni and just use the hashtag Parents Perspective. Thank you to both of you. Look forward to catching up with you again soon. Thank Thank you. you.